0: So I didn't try to overbuild systems. Revenue uh, just, in the first position. Yeah, that's right. So just get going. And that was not the easiest thing for me because I would love to perfect a system. And I knew that that was going to be an issue for me. So I just like, okay, do not let perfect be the enemy of good here and just get going.
1: Hello, Rhino Nation, it is me, Brent Bowers, your land man, and what a treat I have for you today on this podcast. His name is Will Lowry, and I'll tell you, this guy took action like no other. His famous quote that his friend said, you know, talk is cheap, make it happen, and you know, he spent his weekends building the life that he wanted rather than the life that he wanted to get away from. So, Will is going to give you so much practical advice today, how to get started, what to do. We're going to share the land offer letter that he used. And I just really hope you enjoy. And I'm also going to show you how he's going to, he he made a little over 4X return on his very first land deal. That's a 400% return on his money. So, I hope you enjoy this up to it. What's going on, Will Lowry? How are you today, sir? I'm doing great, Brent. How are you? I'm good, man. I am just so impressed with your success. I was telling you before I hit the record button, you remind me of my, my good friend, Alan Underwood, that we've done a lot of land deals together. And, uh, you just very analytical and your thinking and engineer mind and just brilliant. Um, but I wanted to just, you know, hear a little bit about you, how long you've been in real estate, what your family life looks like. So let's go. Sure. What, like married kids. Like, how yeah, long have yeah, you been sure.
0: So, I'm uh, married. We celebrated our 22nd wedding anniversary just a couple of weeks ago. God I, bless
1: you. Congrats. Wow. Yes,
0: thank you. 22 yeah, years. So we met in high school and we're high school sweethearts and dated all through college. Got married after that. So, we've now been married for more than half of our life. We have four pretty amazing kids, all boys. So, we can't have nice things, right, with, with, <laughs> um, with that many of them. The background them. looks pretty nice behind you. And, yeah, because I don't let them in there. So, yeah. But, uh, no, we have um, my kids. I have a 19-year-old. I have twins that are 16 and a 13-year-old. And so are so teaching sweethearts. My parents you, are, are high school sweethearts. And you don't yeah. see that too often. No, no. Actually, we've had to make sure we convinced our kids that that is not the expectation that they do not need to find someone they're going to marry in high school uh, just to make sure that because one of them has thought about some of that as pressure. I'm like, no, that's the anomaly,
1: not the norm. So that's a pretty good insight that that you were, you know, no pressure on your children, but also an amazing example for them at the same time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. me, So
0: so that's the family side. Um, I uh, my background, I've been in and out of real estate since 2003, I guess. So quite a while. But um, I'm in a software engineering by training. That's where some of that analytical view comes from. I have a degree in computer science, but uh, also a bit of an entrepreneur. I didn't grow up with that. My dad was a pastor. My mom was a teacher. And so they just... They viewed the world as you get up, you go and you work really hard. Uh, You go home and you do it again, over and over again. And you give as much of yourself as you can, which I, I appreciate that. But they didn't have the entrepreneurial side of like, let's go do this in a business. So it took me a little while to find it. But once I did, I was kind of hooked. So my first entrepreneurial uh, venture was when my wife was like eight months pregnant.
1: Oh, wow. I, like, my good time to start a business, right?
0: Yeah, right. So like <laughs> I left my secure software engineering job at a good company, regular pay, and went into a mortgage and finance business, which was 100% commission. I worked for someone for a year that was really learned a ton, started my own business for a year after that, and then sold it to a football player and went and worked with
1: him for a while. (laughs) So that was pretty neat. Well, what in the world drove you to land? You know, I I know that you started with mortgages, started in 2003, you're you're a wild animal. You go out in entrepreneurship when your wife's eight months pregnant. I'm sure she appreciated that. Oh uh, yeah, the... it was something like that. <laughs> <laughs> what drove you to land of all things?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a great. I mean, in these last this last couple of years with COVID, I I had the joy of working at a really great tech company. <laughs> it's really quite uh, an amazing time there. I just spent a lot of time in Zoom, though. I mean, when I say a lot of time, I was spending twenty five to thirty hours a week in Zoom meetings uh, as a product director and. There was more that i wanted to do with my life and my time and i knew i wanted to do something in real estate i started listening to a ton of podcasts including wholesaling inc i would listen to it whenever i was making the best dinner. real
1: estate podcast right? ever <laughs> right
0: so uh, but i mean like i was constantly consuming and listening to people that were doing it and a good friend of mine years ago said to me you know we'll talk is cheap make it happen And it's the mantra that I've had in my mind a long time. And that was it. I was listening to the podcast. And so it was me talking to myself saying, oh, you could do this, but talk is cheap. So I had to make it happen. So I did not intend to get into land. I intended to get into wholesaling and fits and flips. And that's actually where I started. Like when you and I, uh, when I first connected with you, uh, I had just gotten a house that I was flipping. But that um, seems to happen a lot with the land sharks community. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you the uh, the first and last house that I flipped was actually wholesale, I guess, because we purchased it and then turned around and sold it without doing any work. Uh, but it was pretty good motivation to maybe find something different because I walked into that house on the day of closing, and there was a person who had broken in and was squatting in the house. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Like a wake-up call when you walk in? (laughs) Yeah, it was a little scary. I was glad that uh, a business partner of mine was there with me because you never quite know. As I stood in that driveway, I'm pretty sure that I saw like three or four drug deals occur down the street from that. And I was like, okay, maybe this isn't what I want to do. Maybe it was the house I picked. Um, (laughs) But uh, still, it was... It was successful, made some decent money on it pretty quick. I think we turned around and made about eleven dollars or $12,000 in a period of like three weeks. So that's pretty awesome.
1: So $12,000 in three weeks, 4000 a week, not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. So it's not that it was a bad thing. It just was
0: a little bit maybe outside my comfort zone. And um, I started listening to you on your podcast on Wholesale Ink, Inc. And I was like, okay, this land thing is pretty interesting. And it felt like it fit me better. It was like you said earlier in sort of the introduction, it was analytical. There's steps to this process. Even in the wholesaling of the property, I had spreadsheets to do the math and make the estimates and assume on a square footage basis. There's just a
1: lot less, more variables in spreadsheets. Math. Less spreadsheets, I guess, in land?
0: Well, I mean, it's less spreadsheets or maybe less variables and more reliability in those things. And so that's what was really appealing to me. And this was also in like February of 2022. Yeah, when the
1: price of homes were
0: just going through the roof. Very um, recent.
1: Recently, we haven't known each other, but what four months or so? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I
0: got into land and uh, decided if I was going to join something, I would join yours. Took the class and joined the group and just started taking action on it to make it happen.
1: That's the key word: action. You took action so fast. I remember we we talked on the welcome call. Once we got you onboarded, within about a week, you were already. Bailing landowners. So yeah. let's talk about that. Do you mind just giving some practical advice to the Rhino Nation? Like, let's, let's get someone a deal, a land deal today, because we have a lot of listeners that are just getting started in, in, in real estate. Like they didn't get started in 2003, like you did. Well, if you don't mind, I'll hold you on the hot seat, hold your feet to the fire and sure. let's talk about like your favorite deal or, or one of your deals that you purchased how you found it and then also love that you've got four boys. I know you you put some of them to work. So for yep. those people listening to have children, bring them into the family business. So yeah. let, let's deep dive a deal if you're okay with that.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think um your first question was around how did I get started? So I just started the mail. You know, that's part of one of the things that you talked about is is keeping profitability in the front of mind. So I didn't try to overbuild systems. Revenue uh, in
1: first position.
0: Yeah, that's right. So just get going. And that was not the easiest thing for me because I would love to perfect a system. And I knew that that was going to be an issue for me. So I just like, okay, do not let perfect be the enemy of good here and just get going. So I started to mail and the first couple of letters I got back or the first phone calls, I was super excited because it was something. And then I tried to force those things to be deals. And it just took continuing to mail to realize that not everything that comes back is something that I have to make work. And I had to be
1: okay with saying no, but I had that fear in the beginning. Like, is these so, the only two I'm going to get so good. That is such a valuable point because I still sometimes catch myself doing that. Not every yeah. phone call, not every land offer letter that comes back signed is going to be a deal. You do not have to do all deals. And I want, I, I just wanted to repeat that because That is so good, because especially when you're just starting out, that first one that comes through, it's like, you'll do anything to move that mountain to make sure like that becomes a deal. And don't worry, just keep mailing, just like you said, Will, because more will come through. And I like that quote, do not let perfect become the enemy of good, because it's like we're all about imperfect action. You know, massive imperfect action brings the results. But I want to back you up a little bit. You know, you said you just started mailing, like who did you mail? Yeah.
0: So I, I started looking in, I live in North Carolina. So I started looking in areas here because I wanted to be able to actually go to the properties if I needed to, uh, to be clear, I have not of the one, some of the stories I'll tell my favorite one, the very first piece of land I purchased, I never visited it. I never saw it. I never stepped foot on it. It's only two and a half hours away. I could have gone, but it just wasn't necessary. That is um, crazy. You're crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say that there's there have been some examples of land that I thought about purchasing that I had the opportunity because it was nearby to just drive by. And it was just a reaffirmation that there's a step in my process that I go through that I had not gone through on these. I'm like, oh, I'll just go check it out. And it turned out that that parcel that looked really interesting online was really just a hole in the ground with a river running through it. I'm like, okay, that's not one I wanted to buy but I missed some of my steps. And so just have to stick to my process. If I do that, I'll, I'll save myself some time. But, um, but yeah, so that I was just, I was mailing to landowners who lived outside of the state who had owned the land for a while. I was going anywhere from, from one acre to 30 acres in size. Okay. Um, you hit the whole gamut. <laughs> yeah. So like I, I, I skipped all of the, like the really small infill lots of the, zero to one, but everything after that and just went at it. And I mean, I, I ended up with quite a list and I ended up having five or 6,000, uh, potential addresses across a number of, it like four or five counties within North Carolina that I was going after. Yeah. That's uh, which is against, yeah. So I didn't mail them all at once, but I was sending, um, about a thousand a week. So I was aggressive because I was like, Hey, this is what I'm supposed to be doing all my time. Let me get
1: busy with this. Yeah. So I started mailing a lot. Well, no wonder we had deals within the first two weeks. Like you <laughs> so, I'm saying mail three hundred a week. You're mailing three times that. Like I feel yeah. like you just did three times everything I said. Only one county, you did six. And, yeah. <laughs> That's six times. Yeah, that. I uh I was a little bit aggressive.
0: Um, maybe not the best thing, but it was still worked out. So I'm happy with
1: that. So absolutely. So um, you're mailing people out of state, you know, one to thirty acres. What were you mailing them? So I started with
0: the land offer letters. So right. It has a two-page letter, uh, first page sort of introducing me and what I do and giving them the opportunity to counter offer if they're interested. And then on the second page, it's a detailed letter of intent. It even actually says purchase agreement. And this is wild. This is how early I was starting. Like I found an attorney to kind of go over and make sure I was doing it right. Yeah. But the very first land I purchased, which is the story I'll tell you about in a little bit, I purchased from that letter... And no other contract, just the signed letter. I didn't have an additional purchase contract. It was a one-page contract that set a price, the property, the basic ways that if I didn't like the property, I could get out of the deal. Yep. And that was
1: it. And then we closed 30 days later. Yeah. So I was mailing the letters. For anybody that wants a copy of this letter, this land offer letter, we call it the LOL. You can go directly to thelandsharks.com forward slash L-O-L, as in like land offer letter or laugh out loud. com forward slash L-O-L. It's yours for free.
0: Yeah. And it works great. It's what I still mail to this day. And uh, yeah, it's been... I, I think what's wild to me is that the very first property that I purchased was not a phone call back from one of my letters, though I got plenty of those. It was a woman who got the letter, who liked the offer, who filled it out, signed it, put it in an envelope, and put it in the mailbox back to me. And I opened it up. And then I did my due diligence. And I was like, that's a pretty good deal. I, <laughs> yeah. just, I don't even need to negotiate that. So I called her up to find out, like, is there more about this land? I don't know. Yeah. What's the deal? And... um What's the case?
1: <laughs> yeah. I
0: was like... And she signed it without ever talking to me. I was like, I didn't think that was possible. I was like, there's no way people are going to sell their property without talking to someone. but. I just got another email yesterday of somebody who took a picture of their land offer letter and, and emailed it to me. So
1: Only the it land. It's really hard to get that with a house. Uh, yeah. I've sent For- those land offer letters to houses, and they don't come back signed ever. But uh, no. the land is, I mean, it's just, they're not emotionally attached to it. A lot of times they yeah. just inherited it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, it was fascinating to me. And I still am texting the previous owner. She she and I have kept in contact as
1: things have progressed with the property. It's been kind of neat. Yeah, so, that is really cool. So you built a friend. Yeah, you, you yeah a little friend. bit. Yeah, for so, sure. What did yeah. that deal look like? How did you... Okay, so you did you buy it with your own cash? Uh, I did.
0: So it doesn't have to be that way. And I know a lot of people don't have uh, that uh, luxury. Uh, part of me setting up this business is I did have... Uh, some capital set aside just to be able to acquire. So that part of what I could offer was to be able to close very quickly, taking some of the guesswork out of the seller's uh, concerns. So I purchased it. So let me, you want to dig into the numbers?
1: Yeah, let's do it. So, I mean, we okay. got those numbers guys listening, I'm sure. I mean, that's what I want yeah. to hear. What's the net positive? What did you make?
0: <laughs> for sure. For sure. So I purchased it for like $20,700. Uh, I think all in with closing costs was uh, right around $22,000. Uh, it was a five acre parcel. It was, had never been cleared. It had good, uh, and there was a private road that was deeded and legal access. So it was part of a planned community from like 1946. So this road is maintained by a few what's of the a, neighbors. It's a
1: planned community.
0: So it just meant that, um, There was a plat map that had been done by a developer at some point, dividing a bunch of these lands and breaking them into parcels that were meant to be home sites with a road through it, but it never got fully developed. Okay. It's a lot is people will plan these communities out. They'll subdivide the parcels, they'll sell them off, but they won't always build everything. So this one never had anything built on it. It was five acres of undeveloped land, nicely wooded. Yeah. So that was, that's what we got. And I got photos taken. I called a number of realtors out there, but um, to the numbers, I ended up listing it with an agent. I did not do a good job of some of the things I do now, like sending all of the neighbor letters. It was not a place where signs on the property would help because there's almost no traffic up there as a bit of a rural area, but um, put it up on Facebook marketplace. That's actually where I ended up getting my buyer
1: So you had it Um, with an agent and you found the buyer and gave that buyer to the agent.
0: I did. And the agent um, only charged me for uh, almost a flat fee listing fee on the property. He didn't charge hardly anything. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he and I had offered, I was like, you can do this as a dual agency. Meaning he could represent me and someone else, but he's like, you brought them to me. I'm not going to charge you for something
1: I didn't do. That's an amazing um, realtor. Great find there, because I can't tell you how often the realtor has still charged me six percent, and most of the time I do bring the buyer. Um, yeah, and that's that's an amazing realtor. I would hold on to that person.
0: Oh, yeah. Like I'm mailing more and more to the county that he works in, just because of how amazing he is. Every parcel I talk to him about, he's like, "Oh, I sold one three parcels down the street from that." And he knows everything about the land up. How did you so. find this guy? I actually took uh, a note from um, from you and from Trevor Probant, who I know has also been on here, on get in your area, look at all of the, the sold listings. And actually I used PropStream to find all of the sold listings within the last like six months and get all of the MLS data and the agents. And then I checked out the ones that had the most listings, so three or four, and I created a list of, like seven or eight agents within the area, and I just started calling them, and uh, only a couple called me back. And this guy was one of them. He had really strong listing, had good photos, good description, and he returned my call within a few hours. Oh, phenomenal! Um,
1: and I was like, "That's it. That's my guy. He's, He's a guy who man. knows everything about land and is responsive. He's uh, your land man, realtor. That's he, he is. That's phenomenal." So you you went on. You look at this. You looked at the property sold. That the actual land parcel sold, and you found mm. the realtor that just kept coming up the most. You, you made a list, and you just called them a few of them. Sounds like it. Yep. And the guy that got back to you had had the best photos. That's your person, and it worked out. Like you did, just randomly. Uh, I've things. done that.
0: I've done that in multiple counties. I just found another one who uh, she and her husband are also land investors, but she's a realtor as well, and um, it's in a different county. And I just listed a property with her this week. And she's on top of things. Great photos. Great description. Responsive. Knows the right questions to ask. So we'll see how that one goes. But I just listed a property
1: this week with her. Beautiful. So, and you didn't just randomly pick up Billy Bob off the, you know, the MLS. So that's I'm, right. I'm glad. So well, cool. Let's keep rolling. So you you found first yeah, so marketplace.
0: We, we got it listed. Had it on Facebook Marketplace. We initially listed it at forty-seven nine. So bought it at twenty-two seven nine. Listed at forty-seven nine. We definitely hit some hiccups. We had some visits. Really interested people were out there. One of the neighbors owns like 12 or 15 corgis. And anytime (laughs) somebody would visit the land, these dogs would come out and just be really loud. So we lost a number of potential buyers with that. But fast forwarding a bit, it took us a couple months to get a buyer, but um, I kept refreshing it on Facebook Marketplace, answering people's questions. And then eventually... I it was I don't know. I lowered the price down. We just we were about to lower it on the MLS, but I was like, let me just lower it on Facebook and see what happens. Lowered it down to 39, thirty-nine and offered seller financing on it. And um we got some good interest and eventually the person who chose to buy it, they have family in the area. They wanted to settle down and do some sweat equity on the property and work on clearing it themselves and plan on building a home on it eventually. We did seller financing on it and they were thrilled. Uh, they were just like anxious to get there. You made and someone's dream come true because they didn't have yeah. the 39, probably. That's right. They didn't. They were going to have to move uh, to another state. Uh, I don't know exactly the whole story, but they were like, this is what we were about to do. And now that we have this opportunity, now we have the reason and to stay. And so they're staying. And this past weekend was their first weekend. Where they owned the land and they were planning to get out
1: there and start clearing parts of it, maybe go camping on it. Oh my gosh! Uh, this the same so, photos of them just having fun yeah. on the land because that's amazing to put on your website. You know, it, yeah. it's amazing for those guys. like, is this a scam? No, here's John that's right. and Lisa. They're enjoying their property. Yep. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. So it's um, it's great. They put the there. I had them do twenty percent down for financing. And they actually ended up writing that as their earnest money deposit in their contract to purchase. And so like, I had that sitting in escrow before I even went to closing. So even though it was taking a couple of weeks to do title or whatnot, I wasn't worried that they were going to walk away. They had already deposited their down payment.
1: How much was it? $7,000. Uh,
0: $7,800, $7, $7, I think, is the yeah. final deposit they ended up making. But, okay. So $7,800 down. Yep. Yeah. And then um, it's a 20-year loan with a 10% interest. Twenty. Um, and years. they have yeah, I was trying to keep the payments good for them, but they've already been talking about paying it off early, which I'm thrilled with for them to do, because that'll definitely save them some money on the interest. Yeah. So worst case scenario, I did like two and a half times my money, right? Twenty-two to thirty-nine. Um it's pretty close to that. So that's pretty decent, or two times money. So that's pretty good. That's if they were to like turn around and pay it off. But if they hold the financing for a full 20 years, it's like forexing my money over those 20 years. So it's like $320 a month payments that start September 1.
1: So Wow. So $320 a month coming in for the next 240 months, 20 years. Yeah. I mean, go out there and rinse and repeat and keep doing it. What is that? $320 right. times 240 months, which is 20 years. That's seventy six thousand eight hundred plus the seventy eight hundred dollars that you got down. That's eighty four thousand six hundred dollars minus that twenty two yeah. thousand dollar investment, all in. Yep. What is that? Yep. You're gonna make sixty two thousand six hundred on your first land deal. Yeah, that's not bad. Let me do some victory bell ringing here for anybody <laughs> that's got headphones in, brace for impact. <laughs> oh man, you have <laughs> <laughs> no. It's all good. I literally lose a decibel of hearing. I don't know if that's a proper word to say, but I'm pretty sure I go deaf every time I do that, and I do it multiple times a day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, yeah. So that was exciting, and um, as you mentioned, I've got my family involved. So this deal was the very first one that I purchased, and my youngest son, he's 13. Uh, he's pretty much convinced himself he's never going to work for someone. So he's got to figure out a way to make a living otherwise. And um, I I told all my kids, you're welcome to invest. You can't invest more than 10% of your net worth into any one deal. And uh, he has done a nice job of saving and he has close to $1,000. So he put $100 into this deal. That's so cool. And uh, I asked him, I was like, would you like me to pay you on the sale price so you get it all in a lump sum or do you want to get payments for the next 20 years? And um, he decided to take the lump sum after asking, what would I suggest? And I said, well, you're 13. Staying motivated is more important than creating this residual income right now. Because
1: he's 13. Um, so He why cannot I, see 20 years from now. I could see well, and like, it's also 20 years from now. Because it would have been like... like a.
0: Yeah, but for him it would have been like a dollar a month for like the next twenty years. Yeah, heck with for that. his percentage of it, um, he's like, yeah, I don't think that that's as interesting. Chad. I'm like, yeah, I think you're probably right. Good
1: so man. time value of money. He, oh,
0: <laughs> that's right. So all in, I think he's going to end up getting about seventy three dollars on his hundred dollar return, or um, within like a few months. Yeah. So
1: good choice, good choice for him. I mean, he just took a hundred dollars and turned it into one hundred and seventy three. Yep. Not bad. And no. so
0: now he's asking he's just gonna put that money into his investment fund and say, Okay, I'm ready to put it, you know, into the next deal. So just let me know
1: when it's ready and we'll get him in. That so, is phenomenal. You're bringing your thirteen year old son in. He's already investing. I mean, how many thirteen year olds out there are investing? Yeah, you know, right? Next to nine because yeah. they don't have they don't teach this stuff in school like you're teaching your son this from home. That's right. Yeah, I'm I'm trying very hard
0: to teach my kids the idea of if you don't spend your earned money and you only spend the money that your earned money makes for you, then you'll have real wealth. So like take your earned money, the stuff you get from a job or from whatever else and go buy something that makes you money, buy land, buy investment property, buy a dividend stocks, whatever. And then the money that it makes you, then you can spend that freely knowing that you'll never actually run out. Uh,
1: so what about the person so, that's listening to this will and I'm putting you on the spot here. Sure. What about the person that says, you know, I work two jobs, and I literally heard the lady in seven eleven saying this the other day. She's like, I work mm-hmm. multiple jobs and people think I'm rich, but I'm just barely getting by. What about, you know, Miss Sheena in seven eleven that works a couple jobs? Like How would you explain that to her? Let your earned money, your your investment money that you earn from investments, only spend that. Like, how do how do we help her? Yeah, it's hard to get there. It can feel hard to
0: get there. And I think, in some ways, I've I've talked with one of my kids about this, who's older. It's about making some decisions on what is it that you want. And I I heard this quote the other day that I loved. It was, I'll see if I can get it right, but spend your weekends building the life that you want instead of spending your weekends escaping from the life that you have.
1: Oh, that's powerful.
0: Right. And so it's, we all have 24 hours in a day and we all have things we have to do. And so it becomes hard choices. My wife and I have done this multiple times. I mean, I've told stories, but I'll, I'll put the vulnerable side here and realize that a whole lot of people might hear this, but There was a time when my wife and I with four kids were living in a thousand square foot or smaller townhouse living on a teacher's salary and had seventy some thousand dollars in consumer debt. And we had to make a lot of choices and put everything on the table where we lived was on the table. What kind of work we would do is on the table. I mean, everything had to be a choice that we would say, are we going to continue to do this or not? Do we need this or do we want this? And for a period of time, we cut out a lot of our wants and just focused on covering just our needs and chipping away. It took us years to dig out of a hole that we managed to put ourselves in. Nobody forced us into that. Those were our choices. We didn't file bankruptcy, right? Like there's nothing wrong. That happens for a lot of people. We didn't do that. We didn't, we weren't in that position. Right.
1: We just dug ourselves out of the hole, uh, slowly but surely. Um, By spending the, your weekends, right? building the life you want, yeah. rather than spending your weekend escaping the life that you have. Exactly. And so... It's when you start
0: turning, we, a lot of us
1: have heard about side hustles, but I don't think that, that you do this
0: as a side hustle. It's not that you can't start it on the side, but you start it in your mind as your business and your job is your side hustle that's keeping you afloat and while you get this business going.
1: That's so true. Uh, because I'll tell you, when I was in the military the last year, year and a half, I felt like such a terrible soldier. Employee, like I was taking advantage of the government and collecting a check. However, I was still there, <laughs> hours and hours and hours every uh, every day of my life. But I started treating my business that I was building for my myself, my family, and eventually mm-hmm. others as the main. And then I started treating my W two salary handcuffed job as my yep. side hustle and. It was hard. It was di- very difficult. But that's a very good point. I never thought about that until you just said that.
0: Yeah, I think it's about taking it seriously, right? Like taking that that thing you're doing that's not necessarily paying the bills yet. Can you believe enough, right, to make it happen? I don't know that what I did uh, is what I would recommend. Like I left my high-paying job to go and do this full-time. I'm glad that I did it for me, but it's not necessarily the path that I would recommend to save my kids or to anyone else is because this can be done and it's not easy. Like, I don't want to pretend like you're gonna start out and you're just gonna, it's all gonna magically work if you just put in half an hour a day. It's spend your nights, spend your weekends. It's very doable. You just have to be willing to commit and to use the support systems that are in place. And I think, Brent, you being there and having the Facebook group, the responses of everyone, the encouragements, all of that makes a huge difference in getting it going. And I think being able to tap into that is, um, is
1: really valuable. And you took action, 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 action. Like you took three, three and a half times the action I was recommending. Six counties. And I mean, t- since 2003, you've been in and out of real estate. Like you had already cultivated the ground. You had already planted the tree. And now it was time to start like fertilizing it and watering it. So you had a lot of groundwork yep. already in place and people jump into these type businesses, you know, land investing, house investing. And it's like, Oh, we'll see if it works. Like I'll give it six months. And they give it six months and it doesn't work. Well, what if you just gave it six months and two days, right? Yep. You got, you saw it already happening. You got to see it as yeah. if it's already there. Like, I, when I did that first land deal made 5,000 and then the second land deal 400 a month, like I beat you by the way, you'll, you're only going to say nice <laughs> <time>. <laughs> so my 400 a month ended in like nine months. So you kicked my yeah, butt on 20 yeah. years. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just a little competitive. I'm just giving you a hard time, but that <laughs> changed my life. Like I'm now paying for my truck payment and I'm, I have a Silverado, white Silverado. And I'm like, I told my wife, I was like, "Oh my God, I'm gonna do another one and pay your car payment. I'm gonna do another one. And we're gonna have the diapers and the formula covered." And I just kept doing yep. it and doing it and staying up late and going to bed early. That doesn't make sense. Staying up late and getting up early. And getting up Before 30. I yeah. had to be on base, and before I knew it, we're making forty nine hundred a month in payments. Yeah. Every month coming yep. in. Now, granted, one of those ran out in like eight months. So I had to do another one. But that's all sure. my bills were. we were $4,900 yeah. back in 2016. And we had hit financial freedom. And the feeling yeah. was like like someone took a truck off of me. Mm-hmm. They lifted a truck off of my body. Because I was like, I now can get out of this the military. I can quit this job. I used to, like, you kind of did it the reverse way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So. Will, any we went a little long here. Any words of advice for Rhino nation, the Rhino tribe? Like you've got, you've given us so much value and thank you. God bless you. I appreciate everything you've given us.
0: Oh, for sure. I just think going back to my buddy, John talk is cheap, make it happen. I mean, if this is something you're talking about and you're thinking about it, then let's go
1: do it. Let's go. I love those two words. Let's go and do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, So that's it. This has been great. Yes. Thank you so much. I mean, so much high school sweethearts with your wife. You got four boys, four boys from ages 13 to 19. Most people would say, oh, I I got multiple kids. I can't do this business. You quit your job, you you wild animal, and just went right into this. Talk is cheap. You made it happen. And thank you so much for doing this. Guys, I want you to go right now to wholesaling.com forward slash land. Fill out an application. Talk to us. If we like what you've got to say, we might even invite you in to be a rhino just like Will. Thanks so much, Will. God bless you. Thank you.